Welcome to the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. And we are so glad that you are joining us this, here on this lovely Saturday morning. It's the last weekend of July. I just How want everyone to hold on to that moment just right now. Or cry. Or cry. <laughs> just so you can start the tears. I don't, see, it's like, it depends on, are you that Sunday night person who's like, oh my God. Are you that Sunday person who's like, oh my God, I gotta go to work next week and you can't enjoy your Sunday? Or do you think, it's Sunday, it's my day of rest, it's my awesomeness. Wow, this is like, that is a real definer I know. of humanness. Yeah. And I think you're the person that's like, it's Sunday, I can enjoy my awesomeness. And I'm the person that's like, uh, oh, it's God. Sunday. We only have one more day left before we have to go to work tomorrow. It's like your glass is half full. Mine is. And mine is half empty. <laughs> That's so true. And this is also the this dichotomy the of the show. Yes. <laughs> this is why this is magic radio, people. Right here in a nutshell. We are pancakes so and eggs. Funny. We are happy Sunday versus Sunday <laughs> depression. <laughs> I'm like Sunday cheeseburger and beers because we got to go to work tomorrow and it's the only day we have off. And I blah, wake blah, up blah. on a Sunday and I, I go for a run, but then I'm like, oh my God, the lusciousness that stretches out before me. What am I going to do with this day? And I feel like I can like, like squeeze every ounce of yumminess from it until the very last moment. And then I go to bed and you do. And I do. I watch the, yeah, you do. I do. Um, the running thing, by the way. Oh <laughs> yeah. You started running. I what? did. You guys. When I answered that first got together, she was like doing marathons and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it was like done. You were just done. I was so done. And then you just didn't run for years. To be fair, though, when I have just actually found out that when you have had cancer, there's a new study that's done that you lose 10% of your O2 max. Which is? From the treatment, like your oxygen output. Oh, okay. So running was really hard after yeah. I was sick. And I kept thinking that it would get better. I, and I re, I ran all the time I was sick and a year after, but I just never could get it back. Yeah. So I started cycling and doing other things. I just, I, I put myself in the lottery for the Twin City 10 mile and I thought, if I'm supposed to do this, the world will tell me. And it did. I got an email like, you're in. It's like, crap. Oh no. <laughs> now I got to train. Right. But I got an app and I'm just training by myself. Yeah. I'm slow. I'm just doing it for myself this time. And I haven't, I, I don't know, I've like told people on Instagram, which I guess is telling people, but yeah. I've only told my husband, just like, I am just... Oh, yeah, you told everybody. And well, now you're telling everybody now, just to be clear. But I'm not doing it for you. <laughs> no, and no, if no. I decide to not do it, radio listeners, I'm sure you'll understand. It's a personal quest. Yeah. It's important to me for reasons that I don't quite understand. I've just, I did not like the way I finished my running life, and I want to put an exclamation point on it. Okay. So that's what I'm doing. All Those right. apps, by the way... Are so helpful. Like I use Zen Labs 13.1, but they have a couch to 5K, a 10K. Oh. It's basically you run and walk. Yeah. And yeah. I did my marathon that way too. My fastest marathon I ever did, I ran 10 minutes and walked a minute. What? And you can like do anything knowing you did that, that a for walk like four is coming hours. up. Four and a half. Yeah. Oh my, I, my fastest one was 424 hours and 25 minutes. And I ran and walked 10, ran 10 minutes, walked one the wow. whole way. Yeah, you're right. You can do anything if you know that you have a walk. Yeah, and it really, like, it's psychological almost. Yeah. But, boy, do I have a lot of 80s and 90s songs on my iPhone. Because when was the last time you bought Apple Music? I don't even... Yeah. Well, I, don't listen to, I don't listen to music when I run. I just run. That's, I've thought about doing that. Yeah. Because... That's just where my head, like, unwinds, and I don't have anybody talking at me. Yeah. And so it's really helpful to just let it go. I bring this up because I know you're a runner, yeah. and the one thing about it that... I've totally missed and it feels like joy is just being outside in the just 
environment with no expectations of you're not going anywhere. Yeah. You're not with anybody. You're just experiencing like I saw a pileated woodpecker one day. Yeah. Just the smell that all just getting outside and being with nature for that 45 minutes is pretty amazing. That's one of the reasons I like living out in the boondocks is because yes. I don't see cars when I run on Sunday mornings. And it's like, it's just kind of like me in the world and it's just quiet. I like that. And there's just, and then you just see so much of, and that's why like when there's, cause when I walk, I tend to listen to podcasts mm-hmm. or, you know, if like, if I'm going to listen to a podcast, I walk, but it's, um, it's sort of like different. It's just a whole different experience. And I realize it's sort of shut down from everything. And I don't yeah. like that. So I do realize I can never have music or anything. So I don't think I could do a marathon. I think I'd get too bored. Well, they let you have music now. No, but I mean, I don't want music. But I mean, I think I would be bored because it's like four hours. Every marathon I ran, you couldn't have music. They've allowed it again now. But there was a time period where they thought it was unsafe. Oh, So you would just talk. (laughs) <laughs> or look at people or look at people. We would endlessly talk about food. To be honest, we'd talk about every meal I've ever eaten. Yeah. My one friend is like, the only way we finished one marathon is because you told me 26 details about every single meal you've ever eaten in the last year. Yep. That actually works out. <laughs> That's actually why people listen to our podcast uh, to get through. Speaking of which we had, uh, I mean, just, we had a crazy kind of eating week, didn't we? I mean, you did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I was out every single night this week. I it was, was insane. Out a bit. I'm not drinking today because of this week. Because <laughs> I need a break. Because you need a day off. I might have a beer. I'm not going to um, say that. Well, we went to Toast and Taste. Yes. And that's the Arboretum event. And the tickets sell out quickly. But you guys put it on your calendar for next year yeah. because... I, I've said it before, and I it's one of the best eating events, I think, in town. Well, and the fact that it's set in the Arboretum's Garden, oh, which is so the beautiful. landscape around it is gorgeous. I mean, there was a threat of rain that day, and I was a little worried. I was like, God, I don't want to be inside. And they, I don't know, they have some sort of like incantation that they cast because every year it feels like it's just perfect weather. It was beautiful. It was a stunning night and it was dotted all around the landscape campus and you can see all these beautiful flowers and trees and shrubs and and it just was gorgeous and the chefs are out there. I mean, it's not even like, oh, here's somebody from Tilia. There's Stephen Brown putting the Indian coriander on your ceviche, yeah. you know, and it's like there's J.D. Fratsky at Barbara Gate. He's there. Michelle Geyer serving up her little shortbread cookies with peaches on top, you know, and I think that's because they all know how much impact the U of M horticultural and, and you know, Arboretum has. Yeah. So it's kind of lovely. What was um, so a standout for me? I just can't stop thinking about it oh, was really? the Lucky Oven Bakery Nutter Butter <laughs> Cookie. You guys, I had two. Yeah. It was like, it tasted like a Nutter Butter or those Girl Scout cookies mm-hmm. that you would get. What are those? What were the peanut Samoyas? butter sandwich cookies are called? Are those Samoyas or oh, Samoyas? But it was like Samoyas? the better cookie was fresh and they had little chunks of salt on it and this like inside little peanut buttery frosting. Yes. Oh, I will say Lucky Oven is, the funny thing is I had just been at Lucky Oven that week. 54th and Penn. Yep. And it's... uh it's right across from, you know, where Red Rag and Pizza is. It's that cute little neighborhood. Kim Bartman's book club is there. Danny Del Prado is going to put in that Colita barbecue across the street. So it's kind of a happening little cute cross section of South Minneapolis. Um, and this lucky oven, I mean, you can sit there and have, you know, scones and you can have cookies and you can, but you can also get a full breakfast and lunch and they have great plates of big food and Yum. it's yummy. It's a great little spot. I actually popped in there. Because I had to get some work done and I ended up chatting with like three different people who I knew who popped in, like yeah. just kind of rotated through the morning. 
It's kind of fun. Um, there was some interesting beers that we had too from Inbound Brewing. Did you? That hibiscus beer. Did you I ever didn't get have a chance that. to uh-uh. taste that? Nope. Oh, that was really delicious. Was it good? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that you have the milk and honey thing, so we won't talk about that. Yeah. But the ciders were great there too. We saw Sweetland was there as well. Um, they have a lot of every, it was just, there's a lot of great stuff. Mm-hmm. So next year, toast and taste. I know we reminded you before, but we'll remind you again next year. So don't worry about it. Um, but you went to Cato no Misa and that's, I'm excited to hear why were you there and what did you do? And was it just like you decided my, to go? My brother-in-law and my sister-in-law were in town before they headed out and he has a peanut allergy. So mm. it's hard to eat out with him. So he was like, well, Japanese, usually there's no peanuts. So we went to a Japanese restaurant and I've been wanting to go, um, I I liked it. Yeah. It, it was pretty fussy for my husband. Oh, well, yeah. They did something that I've never seen before that was cool. But like we asked for soy sauce, which I guess that's kind of like asking for salt in a high end restaurant because they, they don't have it. it on the table. They Well, it's not on the table, but they bring it with your food. They didn't. Oh, well, so it depends we, also on what you ordered. I guess, We ordered maybe. the whole nigiri platter. We ordered some soups. We ordered a lot of appetizer type things. Mm-hmm. They brought these little dishes with soy sauce in them. And then it had this little Japanese like bamboo brush that I swear had like horse hair or squirrel hair. And, and you squirrel hair. Well, they use squirrel hair and brushes. Oh <laughs> so you um, brush the soy sauce onto your. You basically paint paint thank instead you. of instead of dipping, because Dip. that's a very American thing is to dip your soy into your it was sauce. very civilized but i also, was like wow a, yeah fancy yeah it's when well, it's kind of like that idea of you're not supposed to soak your nigiri if it's a good cut and it, the rice is beautiful you're it shouldn't get soaked in soy, soy sauce. sauce yeah and if you're putting your wasabi in your soy sauce i just might say maybe try backing off on that because that's kind of an american weird thing that we do and they kind of all look at us like what are you doing exactly yeah. i don't know how it started and i was guilty of it for for many many years and I just, it's just a very strange idea. I did love the noodle bowl. Um, beautiful noodle bowl. You had the buckwheat bowl matcha with, noodles. Yeah, buckwheat matcha noodles. You put it on the weekly dish Instagram and I was like, oh, I'm so jealous. I don't have that right now. It was delicious. Yeah. I I like that restaurant, but I will tell you, I don't think it's for everyone. It's no. It's pretty refined. I it, would say it's... We re- left, my husband wanted to stop and have more food after we left. He was still hungry after $220. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, but he was like, I could totally just go and eat a hamburger right now. Yeah. I, I would say that and I, when you say refined, it's not like white stuffy cloth. You know what I mean? It's no. not like fine dining, but it is, there is a, there's a definite Japanese formality to it. That is like you would, you can go in wearing whatever you want to wear and you guys, you can have as much fun as you want, but there is definitely a structure and a quietness to it. I wish that the servers were a little more engaging. When you go into a restaurant like that where it is an experience of Japanese culture, mm-hmm. I want them to talk me through things a little more. I don't want them to just come over and say, are you ready to order your food? Yeah, no, like, I, I agree. I want you to tell me, what are we doing? She got animated when she talked about the nigiri platter that we ordered. But even like just how about a little explanation other than it's fatty tuna? Yeah, that's you know? a, that is a failing. But that's that is something that I think that must be hard to train minnesota people in this art yeah because it is it is we're still getting used to it kurt wanted me to ask you why they put mackerel on platters like that why not it's horrid it's not horrid oh i disagree 100 percent on that on a on a sushi platter nigiri platter the mackerel is your favorite thing i didn't say it was a favorite thing (laughs) but i love it oh yes you don't love an oily fish i like oily fish but those mackerels that they put on these platters are too much 
There, I feel like I, I taste disagree. it for four hours later. I disagree. Okay. And that's that's it's a personal that's the choice. Point. He's going to laugh. It's a personal choice. You don't get to say, it's disgusting, you're wrong. You can say, I, didn't I say it was no, disgusting. No, no, no. I'm telling you to tell this to Kurt for me. Okay. You can say, I don't appreciate it. It's not my taste. Okay. So you can tell him that. Because he me. did eat it, and he always does. Oh, he does. Oh, yes. But then he tells me how much he hates it and why he regrets that he oh ate it. Oh, my God. It. I love it and so much. And four hours later, he's like, yep, still tasting still the mackerel. Taste it. Oh, my God. All right, you guys. Well, there it is. Coming down on the side of it, of the mackerel. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break, you guys. We have a great show today. We have a lot of fun stuff to talk about from canned cocktails to why America's eating what it's eating to lots of good gardening, farmers marketing, yeah. good stuff. We do have a Facebook question. We asked, uh, what is your favorite thing to pick up at the farmer's market? So we'll talk about that later in the hour, but go ahead over to the Facebook and answer that question. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish, and we are brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit. Everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. I'm Steph March. I'm Stephanie Hansen, And we are here on this lovely Saturday to talk about all things food and dining. Uh, You just mentioned off air a sadness. Yeah, uh, Rudolph's Rudolph's has uh, barbecue checked in as their final rack of ribs and um it it, i mean people are like well the traffic over at lindale it probably was the final nail in the coffin it may or may not have been let's be clear that yeah no that's a long time coming for that one you know i mean run the theros family 75 1975 is when it opened yeah that place 43 years i think it was yeah i read yeah and they they've been struggling for a while i mean i've known someone who was sort of adjacent to the ownership there and he left a couple, you know, months ago. He walked away because it was not, you know, it was just you could see that it wasn't going to go anywhere good. And there was, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to speak to like the I don't know exactly why or how it all happened. But I do know that that was yeah, the Theros family. That was their last restaurant. 43 so. years of having a single service independent restaurant in a town like ours is a major accomplishment yeah. that while we can lament it and be sad of its passing, we also, I think, should take a minute to be like, wow, that's amazing. To have a business for 43 years, any business who, is... Yeah, who, it's kind of amazing these days very. to even think about. I was thinking about that as far as restaurants when they're signing. I was talking to a couple people who are launching very soon, and they're all, you know, we talk about, like, you know, their five-year lease, their 10-year leases, and they think about those. But, no, and, you know, no one thinks, like, they think in terms of 10-year leases. Uh, absolutely, and that is a good run. And that's a great run, but they also, they, it's not like they go, well, at 10 years, we'll be done. It's Everybody still thinks in the terms of, like, we want to build something that has staying power. And so I think that's kind of interesting because part of that is also why people are concerned for the long run on a lot of the politics in town in terms of tip credit and minimum wage and all these things, all of the taxation issues, all of that isn't like, well, just raise your prices this week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just handle it. It's a long-term thing that a lot of people are worried about mm-hmm. because they're signed in for 10 years. My husband was a busboy yeah. at Rudolph's. Oh, he, he was? Yeah, he talked about like the huge smokers in the back and how they prepared their ribs yeah. and the secret sauce. And he kind of had the keys to the kitchen of all the little tricks and secrets and we just we wish them good luck it's it was a great run it was and there's a lot of barbecue coming in town and i wonder if there's you know a different sort of level that's gonna come or i wonder i mean of course the propensity is to believe that there'll be a aldi or some sort of condo put up in its place because that's what's happening all over the town 
But at the same time, you know, maybe some new barbecue guy will pick it up and, and scrub it out and give it a new life. And I don't know, relaunch, maybe. Can I ask you about something else that you have made me aware of that could be super exciting or horrible train wreck? One <laughs> yes. of the two. Yeah. The Food Network launching Let's Eat for Chew fans. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So the Chew has been killed. Right. Uh, Carla Hall and Mario Batali and Katie, what's her butt? No, she's not on there. She's on Food Network. I can't remember who the other yeah. people were that were on it, but people liked it. It was a primetime food show. Um, and it got killed and Food Network is relaunching something kind of similar. Yeah. Which, I mean, Food Network has gotten so far away from cooking. It's just competition style food. And so to have a show where they actually talk about ingredients and make things on air again. And I, I actually would like that. You think so? Yeah, I think I would. I'll have to watch it um, to give you some feedback. But I, I would like the food to come back into the Food Network. Yeah, well, not just the competition style and the oh, wow, crazy food. Look at this burger. There's 52 patties. Yeah, I don't ever watch Food Network. Did you used to though? I mean, I think way back in the day I did. Yeah. I really haven't watched it since for a long, long and time. Netflix, like I don't watch Jada, and I don't watch the Neelys, and I don't watch Bobby. I don't watch the any Neelys. Of those I don't even think are on anymore. Oh, really? Bobby Flay's still on. I just I search res. I use their recipes. You know, I search their database for trends and things like that, but I don't. And that's kind of sad. I know. Because that, and the cooking channel too, which was from Canada, which the Food Network bought and then turned into the Food Network. It's the exact same with a different logo, (laughs) which is too bad because when it was on in Canada and they had Chuck Hughes and... Yeah. Yeah. We talked about the fact that it was supposed to be something a little edgier and they had like epic mealtime and they had all sorts of things that were cooler. They brought back uh, your guy, um, Elton... Alton Brown? Yes. Yeah, but he's been on he's been on Food Network, right? But but he they brought it back. That had been oh. that show was running on the cooking channel, and when they bought the cooking channel, they brought it back to the Food Network too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so uh, we'll see. I know we'll see. Um hey, I wanted to talk about speaking of like the food culture of the world <laughs> and actually our country, I want to take a moment to recognize Jonathan Gold, who uh unfortunately passed away of pancreatic cancer last weekend which was just for food writers across the country just worse than anthony Bourdain, quite honestly he's like 57 he was 57 he has two lovely children and a wife and just he worked at um la weekly in the day when it was all like village voice we had just got acquired by village voice and i heard dara talk about um her meeting him and he was just such a gift and such a treasure to help people understand food and through a way that felt so democratized. He, <clears throat> you guys, Jonathan Gold changed the way we all talk about food. If you want to really understand why Anthony Bourdain even got to be Anthony Bourdain, part of that is because he, when I, we always say Anthony Bourdain cracked everything open and he showed like the insides of the kitchen culture. Jonathan Gold did that, you know, a long, long time ago and also with respect to people eating and not just kitchens and cooking and the fascination and the fetish, you know, that became of that, but really bringing people's attention to the fact that, and something that I try to do as a food editor all the time and with our MSP 50, which is if I'm saying these are the 50 best restaurants, it's not all fine dining. It's not all white, you know, tablecloths and plates. And it can't be because that's not how we eat. But he was, has been doing this for so much longer because what he basically said is that there's, you know, in the mid 80s and the counterintelligence column in the L.A. Weekly, um, 
he really talked about what do Los Angelinos actually eat. And it's taco shops. And it's, you know, these great little fuss stands and all this kind of stuff, which meant those were best restaurants. Those were beautiful and worthy of attention, wherein, you know, other critics and other writers would never give them the time of day. And it was something that was different in the time. Uh, nobody, there were food critics and there were f- people writing about food in the alternative press, but they, they were trying to do sort of the alternative style of it, of what was happening at the LA Times and the New York Times. So he he kind of blazed a trail for a lot of these food writers that started at these alternative newspapers. Mm-hmm. Brett Anderson, mm-hmm. who started at the alternative newspaper, who's won tons of um, James Beard Awards. Dara, obviously. Um, Jonathan, there was this whole group of writers in that same ilk that were writing different stories about food because, you know, you had Ruth Reichel doing the fancy doing New York fancy, Times reviews. Yeah. I know. And so I want to, and the thing is, I, I, what, so when I found out of his passing last weekend, I just, I literally was like, Ugh. and I, I, I immediately went to Netflix and I watched City of Gold. And I really, really, really would love for you guys to watch that. It is the documentary. It's on Netflix, I think, or Amazon Prime. I can't remember, but it's like three bucks to rent, whatever. And um, and it is it is a beautiful documentary about Jonathan Gold and how he sees Los Angeles. And the one thing I want you to understand is that he understands how food and people come together. And somebody asked him about what he viewed his role is. And he said, well, I'm trying to democratize food and trying to get people to live in the entire city of Los Angeles. I'm trying to get people to be less afraid of their neighbors. And he talks about how after the riots, the L.A. city riots that basically took down, you know, so many, so many neighborhoods in L.A. and it made people be afraid of each other. And he said he just wished that we could all still be global citizens. We are all strangers together and just share dinner. And it was so good. Yeah. It was so good. So I would say if you, I'm going to put a couple things up on the page, but I really, I'm going to put the link to the City of Gold. I, I'll I just mean, put it right now. So. Okay. So, I mean, honestly, you guys, we have lost, a, he, was, he won the Pulitzer Prize for God's sakes. He was amazing. What food critic can say they've won the Pulitzer Prize? Zero, except for Jonathan Gold. So that's my moment of goldness for you. And I really hope that you take some time to read some of his words because they are just simply the gold standard, if you will. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a lot about garden and market stuff going on. This is The Weekly Dish. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Weekly Dish, presented by our friends at Red Cow and Red Rabbit. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, Steph March. Just a quick reminder, you can still get that American Double Burger that we talked about that uh, benefits the Great Foundation. And when you buy that American Double Burger at Red Cow, a dollar from all those purchases goes to the Think Great Foundation. So that's a fun one. That burger was really good. I was not going to eat anything last Saturday before the show, and then I ate that burger, and it started off a whole cascade of eating that was amazing that whole day, but not healthy for me, if you know what I'm saying. Um, Stephanie, something is afoot in the Hanson Johnson household. What is it? Um, Okay, so we have a cabin, and uh, the cabin is on an island in northern Minnesota, which sounds super fancy, but it's actually quite rustic. It was built by my, or my husband's family bought it in the 1970s after being at camp. And a couple of years ago, we were able to purchase another place across the lake from us so we can see dock to dock that is just a one bedroom place that's a lot smaller, but there's a lot of land. And we bought it because we wanted to build a garage. Frankly, my husband likes to have stuff and there's no place to put stuff on an island. So we're building this giant garage to have stuff. And there was all this dirt. So 
Kurt was like, well, what are you going to do with the dirt? He goes, well, I don't know. What do you want to do with the dirt? He goes, well, let's put, make a garden. So he got <laughs> them to dump all this dirt into this place on our land spot that is six feet by 24 feet. Two of those, okay? Boxes yep. with a deer fence all around it that's 10 foot high yeah. with a door. <laughs> He has been working on this thing all summer. And frankly, I hadn't seen it for a couple of weeks. And I went over to look at it. I was like, for God's sakes, man, we're going to run a farmer's market stand. We This is like, it's gigantic. That's I awesome. am so freaked out. That's awesome. There is so many rocks and like trees in it that I need to work for the rest of the summer. All we're doing is preparing the ground yeah. and then we'll put black stuff on it. Yeah, you got to get the netting down. And just like so that it sits until next year mm-hmm. and then we'll start again. But all of a sudden, I I I have vegetable gardened in like containers and some tomatoes and herbs, but like I am like Farmer Hansen. I yeah. need to get some overalls, and it is going to get real next year. <laughs> I'm terrified. Why? I it's, it's just space. If it, you think about it, it's just space, and you I just think, fill it with things. It's like an exciting, terrified, but yeah. also gent- legitimately scared. Like. That's a lot of work at a cabin. It is a lot. Of, and I will say this. You guys are very used to relaxing. Yes. Up there, but also remember this. You guys are so far north. Your growing season is going to be kind of short. Well, it's like supposedly about eight weeks. Yeah. So you have to find the things. You're not going to be able to plant everything. You're not no. going to be able to get the same stuff we do down here. So you have to kind of consider that's kind of the more fun is the planning and understanding what when can something go in the ground up there and how fast can it mature you you know before you can pull oh, well it. i'm glad you think this is fun because is we fun. may be going out to lunch and yeah. having a plan this fall yeah. because i i'm like oh like are we going to start tomatoes in our basement like i don't know you might have to someone said corn could we actually grow corn up there cuz uh, i don't know i don't know either i mean there might be a there might be hybrids that you can grow but i'm not sure if you can this it is seems... in ely minnesota so there's a right. farmers market and it basically has had spring greens as of last week, that's what we had. Yeah. Spring greens. Yeah. And and homemade breads. Yeah. Because there just isn't. It's not an agricultural, you know, bounty. It's there. a blueberry mecca. I, I remember have made one of the so farmers, much blueberry stuff. Yeah. One of the farmers from Common Ground, Minnesota, she was saying she lives kind of in the very northern regions. And, and you know, people were like <laughs> talking about grass fed cows. And she's like, well, I literally don't have enough grass growing <laughs> to, because it's pretty cold up there and we yeah. don't we don't just get these lush fields like everyone else does and it's like i forgot about that until i thought about like what are you gonna do yeah you're gonna have to see some cold you could do cold hardy vegetables yeah and we have you some can do friends. a lot of roots we have some friends that have a garden in embarrass yeah um suzanne winkler is her name you should actually look her up she's a pretty famous new york times writer that happens to live in embarrass minnesota she's a friend of my um, mother-in-law's and she, we went to her garden and they have like garlic. They have a hoop house, which we may do over yeah, time. Yeah. They had a lot of strawberries. They had potatoes, beets, a lot of the greens, um, tomatoes that they had started inside. Yep. Some peppers. So I don't know. It's I feel just like going to be some shard, you know, those kind oh, of yeah. like leafy, anything leafy you can come because that's early. It is making you could me, do radishes. Oh, and I love radishes. Yep. It is making me look at the farmers market with whole new eyes. Yes, because I'm thinking like, wow, I'm going to be a farmer. I'm going to be able to make stuff. Yeah, what am I going to make? And so I've been thinking about um, the other thing at the cabin is we have an outhouse, but it's like the nicest outhouse you've ever been in. 
And we have books in there and magazines. My friends, my mom's friends, the O'Connors have one. They call it the Taj Mahal. Oh, yes. So we call it the Taj. When you have to go to the bathroom, you have to go. I have to go to the Taj. So this sounds weird, but Trisha Cornell, who's a local writer, has this cookbook that I love called Eat More Vegetables. It's like a farmer's market cookbook. And it is literally from the Minnesota season. So if you have kohlrabi, you look up recipes for kohlrabi. And it's in the outhouse. So we've been reading it all summer again because we leave it at the cabin. It's like one of those fresh, fun finds when you get back. And I, she has these refrigerator pickles that don't have sugar in them because I don't like sweet pickles. Well, even if you throw a little bit of sugar, you don't get sweet pickles. I just don't like that. Like, yeah. I don't like that sweet, pickly. It's like a tang. I don't but like that's it. What, that's, then you just get vinegar. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't realize, though, I thought that having sugar and vinegar together was part of the process, but it's not. It's It just brings that, it just it balances the vinegar so that you get, and like, it doesn't have to be sweet. Like, my pickles aren't sweet at all. At all. Like, okay. not even You need to bring all. me some. I know. Actually, I have the pickle jalapenos going right now, and I was going to bring you some. Yum. See? These are the things that I'm excited about. Like, yeah. I don't know if I'm excited about growing jalapenos just for the sake of growing jalapenos, but I could pickle them. Yeah. Or dilly beans. I love dilly beans. So I think I'm going to take this garden and make all kinds of pickled things. I'm going to buy the Instant Pot that you can pressure cook things to okay, make, like... Okay, the newest one? Yeah, the jams and stuff. I haven't bought it yet, but I think I'm going to. Okay. And I'm just excited from that standpoint because I'm excited about refrigerator pickles. Another gal pal of mine that has a garden, she did the cauliflower, carrots, pickles, like basically, and she just put it all in a jar and made a refrigerator pickle out of that. Um, We have also been talking about, we've been getting corn up there. So corn puddings, Mm -hmm. I've made corn fritters. We've had corn oysters, which is a little different than a fritter. We were talking about those earlier because I also had the Mercado no Mise. It was it's like a corn fritter, but a lot less flour. So you really get the taste of the corn. Um, basil zucchini soup. The zucchinis are starting to come. Yes. And I, someone was like, don't grow zucchini. You get too many. Oh, my God. I was like, I spiralize. Listen, beyond that, I ended up, I picked up Jake from uh, our friend's house. The Johnson Farm is what I like to call it because they're the ones where I get my chicken eggs from because they always stack me up. So I, So we have this little like system where it's like this payback thing where I'm like, well, I've got so many cucumbers. I know they're not growing cucumbers. So I gather them up and I bring them to their house. And it's like. There's, then there's the swapitude, you know? And so then they give us, then I get eggs. I got their zucchini. She's like, I have so many zucchini. I'm like, bring it. I didn't plant any. So we have all of this trade system going in these little farms. That is really exciting to me. Yeah. Like that sharing, <laughs> yeah. that community, that, because I don't really have community up there because I have never lived up there. Right. My husband is practically living up there. He's kind of a hermit up there. You know, with like neighbors yeah. and like, I love that idea. Do you know your neighbors? I mean, I know you're on an We're island. Starting to, the island neighbors, yes. Okay. They, they come, the island people come for July and August. So yeah. you kind of get to know them a little bit. Um, the land people though are there all year round. So we're starting to learn who those people are too. <laughs> starting to learn. You guys have been going up there forever. It's, but it's just, yeah, because you're funny? cabin people. Yeah. But now we're kind of ca- both cabin people and more seasonal people because we'll be the, Kurt's going to buy a snowmobile. So who knows? Oh my God. Yeah. I know. He, I think honestly, he, you, he's gone. He he's, might just, he's, he's going to be an Ely <laughs> native now. I'm going to put up some recipes okay. for how to quick pickle anything. Good. Okay. How to do corn pudding because it's really delicious and it's easy. 
basil zucchini soup. We might have the we might have that same quick pickling up already. We okay. should look because I know that Elizabeth and I talked about it like a couple weeks ago. Right. She is on you in fact, you should talk to I her. I need to hang out with her. Because her quick pickling methods and and PS Lori uh Kroll at Golden Fig has her pickling spice mixes, I know, right now on feature. Okay, I'm going to run over there so before go I go to town. Yeah. Um, also, do I have a time to menis- mention Beth Dooley's Minnesota Farmer's Market cookbook? Yep. Also phenomenal. Yep. And I have been up to my eyeballs in blueberries. Oh. So I did a recipe for a blueberry beet salad. Perfect. That I have been eating up at the cabin. And one more recipe okay. that I had as a happy hour, like I had girls over for wine, mm-hmm. sugar snap peas with Asian sesame. So it's like... It's for people that don't want to eat like chips. Yeah. But it's delicious. So use them as a dip? It, it was maple syrup, sesame seeds on these steamed Asian sesame peas. So it was like sort of sweet, sort oh, of Like a hoisin sort of idea? Yes. Interesting. So good. I'm going to put that up too. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break. You guys, when we come back, we are, it's going to be the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So feel free to give us a call. 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. This is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So if you're sitting around and you want to give us a phone call, it's 651-641-1071. And you can call and Hope will take your answers and or your questions and we'll uh, get you on air. Or just uh, give us a ring. You can also hit us up on the Twitters at Steph March, at Stephanie's Dish, um, or anything if you want to hit it up on the Facebook, whatever you got. Uh, we have Brian on the line. Well, actually, first let's answer this question. Okay. This is the question a caller called in and wants to know how to replicate the pickled vegetables on top of the hog frites at Surly. And the answer to that is you don't have to replicate them. Just go out and buy a <laughs> jar of Jardinera. <laughs> or you can make you it. Can you make can pickle it. it. You can make it, but it's Jardinera. If you look up a recipe for G I A R D I N A R A, Jardinera, it's a very typical sort of, um, you know, pickled vegetable situation. Yep. And they're really cauliflower and carrots and stuff. And delicious. Deliciousness. All right. Another caller, by the way, quickly looking for a unique but casual place with really good mimosas and brunch to celebrate daughter's 25th birthday. Lives in the Elk River area, but will drive. Nothing super fancy. What do you think? Um, Really good. Casual, good mimosas, mimosas. and brunch. Um, 25th birthday. Something that's close in Maple Grove is Pittsburgh Blue. Yeah, they have a nice brunch. They do have a nice brunch. And they and make it's not good super co- fancy. fresh cocktails. It's not super fancy. No. I, I think that would be a good spot. That's yeah. not too far. Why am I blanking on brunch right now? Oh, how about this? I don't know about their mimosas, but um, Hi Hi, which was just named one of the nationally best new restaurants in the country. Top 18. Yeah, from Bill Eater. Addison. Yeah. They have a beautiful brunch. They have great cocktails. They might not have mimosas, but you, I'm sure you could make a mimosa from them. But they have wonderful brunch cocktails, and it's just an awesome space, and it's yummy. I would say go there. Um, how about Spoon and Stable? Do they have Spoon fancy? Spoon and Stable for sure, 100%. You know they're going to have a fancy. Yes. Um, and that's, and, and Spoon and Stable is fancy in terms of like the food is refined, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, you can show up in jeans there and will a be white plenty shirt. There's people with their like yeah. Sunday morning walked into Absolutely. the place. Yeah. Or maybe Bachelor Farmer for that in they, that regard too. They don't do brunch anymore. Oh, they don't. Nope. Okay. So, Thank you for yep. correcting me on that. All right. We have Brian on the line. Hey, Brian. Hi, are you there? Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. How, How are, are you? Brian? What can we do um, for you today? Wondering about Pepito's was changing hands, and did it include the Parkway Theater? Or? It 
It does. It does. Pepitos is, uh, it has become, or it is in the process, and it's almost, almost open, in El Burrito. It's going to be El Burrito, Minneapolis, and they are, uh, they are very, very close to opening, I know. Um, and the movie theater is not a part of their business per se, or the, but the parkway, the theater next door is being rehabbed. It won't be open at the same time because there's more work that's required, but it will be opening for events and for, um, I think they will show movies on yeah. occasion too. I Actually, I know they will. But yeah, El Burrito, they're like, El Burrito, Minneapolis is within weeks. Yes. It's close. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling, Brian. Okay. We also have Jennifer on the line. Jennifer, are you there? Hi, Jennifer. Jennifer O'Jenny. I'm Jennifer. Oh, Hi, Jennifer. Hey. What's what can your we question? Do you? um, first up, what's the name of that event at the Arboretum again? It was called Toast and Taste at the Arboretum, and it happens every single July. Excellent. I'm signing up for that. Secondly, um, you were talking about Alton Brown and the Food Network. Um, I was a huge fan of Good Eats. Yes. And my kids used to watch it with me, and I think I taught them how to kind of make a meal and understand the food chemistry. Is there anything like that? I can't find Good Eats online or in Netflix or anything. Do you? Can you think of any other shows like that? Um, I can't. <laughs> but um, Good Eats. I feel like you can watch these. Can you watch they're them online? They're on the Food Network and they're on Cooking Channel. Right. They're still on? Yes. They've brought them back. Um, so I'm looking okay, at the Food Network website right now and there's season 14 episodes posted. And you can watch them on there. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Every yep. time I check, I haven't been able to find anything. Oh, no. that's wonderful. Such a great show. Um, awesome. And there's recipes too. Yeah, I use a lot of their recipes. They're really good for kids, too. That's awesome. Very yeah, cool. see, awesome. tune in time. So there you go. You can watch it. Thanks, Jennifer. That's amazing. I didn't even realize that. I remember we used to watch those, too. That was, like, one of the first times I understood, you know, how like how and why biscuits and pancakes work and things like just the silly things like that. And brining a turkey. I think that was the first time I understood watching Alton Brown brine a turkey on Good Eats. And it was so fun and kind of crazy. You, this was how I knew that you were a perfect radio partner for me because I don't like this show at all. Oh, really? I don't want to know all that stuff. Oh, my God. I just want the recipes. And you like love like the detail of it all. And I watch the show on occasion and he's entertaining and yeah. I really respect what he does. But it's just too much for me. Right. Like, I don't need to know what point of something fermentation happens. I don't care. Could you just give me the recipe, please? Because well, that looks good and I want to eat it. Yeah, I guess you're right. There it is. Yep. <laughs> Um, that's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great, I haven't, there's a lot of great shows that may could come back. I was just gonna say, I haven't watched the Food Network, but since we were just saying in the earlier part of the show, but there's things like Iron Chef, you know, that came back and didn't come back as well, I think, as the original. I wish that there could be some remakes of some of the original stuff and do it well. Yeah. I would love to see another season with Amy Thielen. I yeah. loved her show. Yeah. Have and you watched any of the Mollier? Is that no, out yet? But it, no, but I, I think I would like it. It is out. I think she's had a couple episodes out. We should have her on. Um, yeah. Stephanie, this is a question that the answer just makes me laugh. Okay. okay. Someone wants to know, what should I do when a server starts cleaning off the table when people are still eating? And I've been thinking about like how to answer this question. And my answer is like, so Stephanie March. Okay. Here's what the answer is, I think. You go, oh, 
Ope, ope, and like, ope, we need a little more time or not yeah. quite finished yet or give us a few more minutes. Because that's yeah. like not offensive. Right. It's not brush, brash nope. or brusque. Yep. And the server will be like, oh, okay. And they'll give you another five minutes. Yep. But like, how That's do you describe you to someone to, to say ope? to the Midwestern ope? You, there's actually a whole web page about the Midwestern ope, O P E, up, ope, ope. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, and no, I that's just, exactly I've been it. like f- laughing for like two days about how to describe how to use ope in a, in this <laughs> oh situation. My God, we have to ope. You have to ope it. Yeah, so that's how you have like, to say ope? say. Well, just ope the table and just tell her ope the server and let ope. her know. <laughs> Oh, my God. And that is the Weekly Dish for the first hour. Okay, gang, we're going to be right back. When we come back, we're going to do top two in hour two. We're going to talk about canned cocktails and how you eat and why you eat. This is the Weekly Dish brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit.